0: Okay, everyone, it's time for our annual one-shot horror campaign.
1: Yes, I have been looking forward to this all year.
0: All right. So you wake up in an abandoned mansion, covered in cobwebs and other spooky paraphernalia.
1: Paraphernalia?
0: Oh, yes. Paraphernalia. Suddenly, you start hearing voices all around you, It sounds like they're saying moist, moist. What? Moist, moist. It's uber scary.
1: If you say so.
0: Okay, look, everyone knows that the word moist is at the very least unsettling. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, the room suddenly goes quiet and the door bursts open. And you see... Yes. A giant zombie... Yes. Rubber ducky.
1: Oh, I thought this was going to be a horror adventure.
0: Ooh.
1: This time on Becoming DM, we're talking about running horror one-shots and Halloween-themed games for that Halloween season. Hi, everyone. I'm John.
0: Mrs. Felicia.
1: And we just first want to say, welcome back. We've, we've been on a little bit of a break and uh, we're glad to be back recording our, our shows, getting them back out there. And we do want to take a moment to say thank you to everyone that submitted ideas. Um, we've, we've got several to choose from moving forward and, and we're excited to, to get to to working through some of those.
0: Yep. And we appreciate all that input. So thank you. Thank you.
1: So uh as as you may recall we had a uh, a little thing going for if you sent an idea we'll send you a sticker so by the time you are listening to this episode all those stickers should have been sent um but if you're there going man I missed it we do have some stickers left so if you've got some ideas please send, our, send them our way we'll still send you a sticker and uh and looking forward to seeing what you have Yep
0: yep all the cool kids have them
1: Yep <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about what we're really trying to do here today. And, and for that, I'm going to let you kick it off, Felicia.
0: Yes. So, um, essentially, you know, with Halloween coming up, uh, for those Halloween enthusiasts such as myself who prep for Halloween months in advance, um, we wanted to kind of go over some really great sort of one-shot campaign ideas for this upcoming Halloween season. So if you're interested in creating that kind of spooky campaign for your players,
1: um, yes.
0: Yeah, spooky paraphernalia. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we've got some ideas for you and just some tips and, um, suggestions for you guys to kind of take it to the next level, enhance it like we normally do. Um, to help you guys give your players the best spooky Halloween campaign possible.
1: Um, yeah, and typically when we talk about having these themed episode, themed uh, sessions like this, mm-hmm. it's really best to look at it as a as a one shot or maybe a two shot, yeah. um, just to capture that that seasonal thing, mm-hmm. and then you can move on with your campaign the way that you you were doing before.
0: Exactly, that, um, and you can you can do it for like all sorts of different themes. You know, if there's a uh, Christmas theme coming up, or you know, you want to do something crazy with Thanksgiving. In this case, obviously, we're doing Halloween. So yes, keep it to a sort of a, a one shot, one campaign kind of style.
1: I have found that regardless of what seasonality, I try to put in my uh, my seasonal one shot. It almost always ends up turning out to be a horror adventure.
0: <laughs> <I think laughs> go to it's a good. I mean, there's so many good monsters to choose from. I mean, you guys know this. Like we we have episodes dedicated to our favorite monsters. So you know, of course it makes sense that like our go-to would be something scary or spooky. Yeah.
1: I mean, the zombies are attacking Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. The, the, the turkeys are rising and murdering everyone, whatever.
0: (laughs) The turkeys are rising up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. But um, first things first, when we talk about this and we'll sound like a broken record again, Mm. keep in mind your players and what your players are going to like and what they'll be into. Because I I know that there are players out there that love the things like solving a mystery and and there are players that hate solving mysteries. And so if you Mm -hmm. plan on doing this and you're going to do like a murder mystery and you've got some of those that hate it. You're going to have some players that are checked out for most of your most of your session there.
0: Yes. And, you know, on, on a related topic, you know, you have some players that are really into like gore, Texas Chainsaw Massacre style and others mm-hmm. who are just really not about that. Um, and also, you know, depending on the age of your players, maybe it's just not something that's appropriate for that age group. So, you know, just make sure that you choose a, an appropriate Halloween theme that um, accommodates your players best.
1: Absolutely, and um, so based upon what they're interested on, you've got a bunch of different options, oh, and, yes. and we've got we've got kind of a list, and we'll talk a little bit about them, but we're not going to go into too many details because I think you can probably figure them out. Um, mm-hmm. But just kind of a sampling of some some Halloween themed ideas are like one is a murder mystery, and mm-hmm. I was recently running a murder mystery with with my players, and they spent all night. Um, they were trapped on a ship and running around trying to find who murdered somebody, uh, and then somebody else. Uh, <laughs> and it was it was fun to watch them. Kind of, it, it was a very. Uh, much more role-play intensive game than we usually do. There really was only one combat thing at the beginning, which set off this, uh, this provided cover for the murder uh, in the first place. And then after that, it was completely role-playing. So Mm -hmm. if you like the more role-playing thing, that's a, that's a great opportunity for that.
0: For sure. Um, There's also, you know, the straightforward, Hey, let's go kill a monster kind of campaign. You know, you can make it an uber scary monster, um, there was one I was recommending that I was just talking to John about earlier, and I was saying, man, wouldn't it be fun to have a story with a were I mean, come <laughs> on. Uh, like, it doesn't get any better than that. A were bear? Come on. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> um, and, and dealing with that scary monster could tie into a murder mystery as well, or some other mystery. Uh but but gives you that balance where there's some combat plus there's mystery. So if you've got a, a blended group that likes different things, gives you that, that, that capability. And one thing, if you haven't looked at it yet uh, to look at, if you're trying to do a, a, a monster based uh, themed episode, take a look at the false Hydra because they're kind of um, horrifying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right on line with our theme.
1: Yeah, uh, if you're not familiar, false Hydra is basically something that that consumes living things, and when they consume them, everyone that ever knew anything about them, it's like they never existed. Mm-hmm. So, it's a cool way to have some backstory play into the into the game and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, you could do a whole episode on on false Hydra. I'm not going to get into that. There's there's several other good resources out there if you if you want to take a look at it.
0: But I think another good option, potentially, one that, like, honey, you were saying, can kind of develop and get into something bigger, um, like Cthulhu is always a really good go-to. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, when it comes to, like, oh, man, you know, they're going to take over the world and kill everyone, and, uh oh, there's this dark evil being, uh, oh, it's Cthulhu, you know? Um, it's a really great, you know, monster that can develop into a deeper story, and, you know, the good thing about any of these topics that we're bringing up is that, you know, none of them have to be exclusive, Like like you were saying, you can... You can mix and match and make like a hybrid if, you know, you're trying to best appeal to like all of your players. Um, so, you know, just one of those words like, hey, you know, doesn't have to be strictly one or the other.
1: Yep. Yep. And um, the next kind of type is is like the edge of your seat thriller. And when I think of edge, edge of your seat thriller, I'm thinking things where there's a set time limit that something has to be done yeah. and something horrible is going to happen if they don't do it. Um, when we were talking before, you mentioned like the saw movies where there's yeah. somebody's stuck somewhere and they have to do yeah. something a certain amount of time to get, get away. Uh, but it could also be something like, like some sort of all consuming thing that they're free to move around, but if they get off task, then they're losing time that, that, mm-hmm. that, they, they can't afford to lose.
0: Yeah. And the fun thing about, like, these types of scenarios is it's a really great opportunity to be creative with things like booby traps and, mm-hmm. you know, things that trigger off certain parts. And and especially if, um you know, whether you're doing theater of the mind or modular tiles or maps, like, it's just a really fun opportunity to, like, bring those elements into your campaign. Um, a cannibal shed, like, you got kidnapped by cannibals and you're stuck in their shed. And now you got to figure out how to get out. Like, that's very... That's another fun one that you could try and do as well. Or you're stuck in their basement, something like that.
1: Yeah, and and in in situations like this where you've got that time bound thing, uh, a trap doesn't have to be your traditional trap where it does damage to the to the player or anything mm. like that. A trap could be something where you do something and it causes something to happen that makes you lose time, whether it's because you have to fix something to move forward or mm-hmm. because it advances the the timeline of the story further than they'd expected. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 a, it's a, I think it's a a fun way to, to continue with those, those traps, but have them be a little bit different than your players are used to experiencing.
0: For sure. And speaking of time, (laughs) uh, our next time, or our next topic rather, um, is one that involves time bending or time travel. Um I recently purchased a small one-shot campaign courtesy of Wylock. Um that was called Julinda's Gauntlet and it kind of mentioned essentially that you were in this gauntlet, you were trying to get from point A to point B, but you got stuck in a time traveling trap. And essentially you had to try and figure out how to get out of that time loop. Um but it was really fun because you have the opportunity Um, one kind of like choosing your own adventure sort of, if you guys like those stories when you're kids growing up where it's like, Hey, if something doesn't work, bam, all of a sudden you're back at the beginning, uh, and doing it again. And then a little element was that.
1: I was going to say, it's kind of like that, um, that show Russian Doll, if you've seen that, yes! movie, where oh every time God. she dies, she goes, she's back at the yes! beginning and has to do things right to get through.
0: I loved that show. And it, that's exactly right. Yes. It was, it was very much like, oh, dang, I'm back at the beginning. Okay. What do I have to do this time to try and live a little longer to figure out what's going on? Very much like that. And the fun thing is, is in this particular scenario with this campaign, you had the risk of running into yourself. So, you know, it's also a fun opportunity to sort of, like, pretend that you're the players and sort of, like, poke fun just a little bit at, like, their voices or, like, their <laughs> acting or whatever. Um, just a fun, different type of engagement with your players.
1: So if you've ever had players that make fun of the voices you use, that's <laughs> your opportunity right there. Yep, yep. <laughs> Revenge. And then another another kind of like uh, Halloween themed is it could be a transportation to another plane where the entire adventure happens in in something other than the material plane that you're in, mm-hmm. which which can be interesting in ways I think because a lot of the um, rules for how things work and I don't mean like game rules I mean like the natural rules for how things work change up when you go to these other planes mm-hmm. and and the players are going to have to figure out how to operate within these new set of rules to to move the ball forward
0: yes and those are really fun i mean like just think of just regular like physics you know can people jump far can they fly you know um does you know spell do spells work the same way or you know it, it just is day night night and day like you know there's just all sorts of different things you know are things backwards or you know do people eat food like frogs eat their food Mm-hmm. Very interesting thing, small things, but it's, it's, yeah, definitely a fun way to like just change things up. Um, even if it's a small thing like, Oh, instead of trying to roll high, you're going to roll low or something like that. It's definitely an opportunity just to kind of throw those little quirks in there. Yep. Um, I think a really good one, a fun one that I, I personally really want to play with soon um, is a campaign that results in some sort of form or size changing Basically, the overall story would be that you did something to, you know, uh, make a wizard or a witch really, really angry and everyone gets cursed and you either get like shrunken, like itty bitty tiny, like, honey, I shrunk the kids and now you have to figure out how to get back to your regular size or um, you got changed into some sort of animal uh, and then you have to figure out throughout the rest of the campaign, like how to get back to your regular form. Um, These types of campaigns are really fun because you get to change the rules in ways that like wouldn't normally expect. Like, can you guys communicate? Like, even though you're all say dogs, are you able to communicate with each other like telepathically or do you have to rely only on body language? You know, do you, are you able to do spells the same way? And does your, your walking speed change? Like there's a lot to like, there's a lot of potential I think out there to make for a very interesting campaign.
1: And I, I think that the, the form and size changes uh, work really well with with that edge of your seat thriller, where you've got mm-hmm. maybe if you don't accomplish the task to get yourself changed back by a certain time, you're permanently in that form. Yeah. Um, um, now, obviously, if you're using characters that are that are part of a long term campaign, you may want to have a better out than <laughs> that. But it's still if you're doing a one shot and you got one shot characters, I think that's a that's a great uh, way to kind of amp up the pressure. Like you're going to be like this forever. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And form and size changes doesn't have to be like completely holistic. Like it can be like partial. Maybe like some, like your left half of your body got changed and deformed into this giant club hand thing. And now you can't use your left side or something. You know? Club um, hand thing. Yeah, club <laughs> hand thing. <laughs> I was trying to think, there's a movie. And I, was, I can't remember what it was, but it was essentially like these people were given this goop. And then when they got these goop, they were like deformed and changed into these circus freaks. And. Each one had a different one that they were forced to become. Um but essentially it was something along those lines. You know, you can have a similar process where like, ah, they were forced to take this stuff and then they were changed into these weird zombie, or not zombie, but um what is it called? Uh Oh my gosh, John, help me out here. What's, what is it called? Um,
1: uh, we're not talking about circus, circus freaks. Or, no, no, no. Or, there's a
0: word for it. Uh, I'll have to come back to it later. I'll circle back around <laughs> at okay. the end of the show. Mutant. If, if, oh, if you mutant. just
1: suddenly shout out a word, we know it's what's
0: happening. It's a mutant. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah, like you can do it where like these different deformities cause, you know, disadvantages for your players, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a complete change to a different form.
1: Yeah. And it, it's a great way to take a, a party that maybe is a little bit higher level that mm-hmm. that just feels like they are nigh invincible um, and really give them a, a a handicap that they have to learn to deal with and, yep. and get, make it make it a challenge that they haven't had a challenge in a while, maybe.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, So another type of kind of Halloween themed game is going to be your typical um, zombie apocalypse or even like vampire story uh, oh. where the zombies you you can you can have hordes and hordes of them and and yeah zombies in the game are a relatively low level but a hundred zombies are are definitely a challenge if they oh, can all sure. get around you and stuff um so it, i i think that the reason that those types of stories have stayed around so long is because they are appealing to a lot of people. So mm-hmm. don't don't mark it off your list just because it it's oh this is old hat or anything like that. There's a lot of things you can do that change those up, um, you know, like like the movies did with with fast and slow zombies or anything yes. like that. Um, Which
0: ones are they?
1: Yeah, you can you can take the the classic tropes and you can twist them a little bit to to provide something that's unexpected mm-hmm. and uh, and really takes the the players off guard.
0: Yeah. So the other thing, uh, you know, I think we kind of covered all of, well, not all, but, you know, some of our favorite themes when it comes to um, doing Halloween style campaigns, Uh, you know, feel free to mix and match them or keep them exclusive, whatever. Uh, But some other things that you can do uh, when it comes to kind of really enhancing this experience for your players is just, you know, your setting. How do you, how do you set the mood? How do you create the atmosphere for your players? um
1: spooky, paraphernalia.
0: spooky <laughs> paraphernalia it somehow keeps coming up <laughs> but yes now we're serious spooky paraphernalia people all right um it can come from as many things or it can come from something as simple as just how you say things how you phrase things you know what kind of campaign are you running are you running a theater of the mind do you actually have sets um modular tiles things that you've built that you're going to use your miniatures on um you know if you're doing theater of the mind then you know it probably behooves you to ahead of time sort of contemplate how you're going to describe these things you know are there an extra amount of entrails all over the place is there a plethora of cobwebs that they come across who knows and if you're using uh oh go ahead
1: I was to say, and, and we we mentioned this in the setting the scene episode a little mm-hmm. while back. If you need to make sure that you describe this scene in detail throughout, regardless of whether it's a, a high stress scene or mm-hmm. just something inane, because it's the contrast between those two and the the change in words that you're using that will really highlight it and and set that mood for the players.
0: Absolutely, and and we are not just talking like visually, you know, like do they smell something rank like the smell of rotting flesh that offends the nostrils, you know, or do you hear something moist, moist, (laughs) you know, um, all opportunities to really like elevate your campaign for sure.
1: Yep. Uh, also, um, it, it, it some of these things that we're talking about setting the mood, it, it's easier to do in person. Um, you can still do some of them, like especially the language. You can do if you're playing online, but some of them are going to be easier in person, like music. I know mm-hmm. that you can share music online, doing a, like a Spotify account or something like that, but I think in person it, it's a bit more impactful. Yes, um, and and choosing the music that that goes with your scenes, and if you if you really want to get into it, you can plot out by scene what music you want to use and and even at at turning points where something happens, you can switch that music and really um really make an impact with the with the change of music and what's going on there
0: absolutely and I'm um, you know strictly speaking, it's not just music I mean we're talking like background sound effects too
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: you know do you have? Scary sounding moist on repeat for the background noise, um, you know, or, you know, as simple as, you know, just scary music that kind of just goes with the overall theme of, of the story. You know, either one can be considered here. Um, even small things like the creaking sound of a door opening. You know, those are all small little files that you can add to, um, you know, to the, your, like you were saying, your Spotify list or whatever it is you have set up to um for enjoyment for your players.
1: And I know that, um, when I, when I use Ark and Forge for my digital tabletop, it has a a soundscape portion of it, which Mm. has a bunch of different sound effects that you can use and you can layer them in and it will, um, at, certain random intervals play each one of them so that it it sounds like you're you're actually in a scene rather than just clicking a button when when you want something to happen. Mm-hmm. So for things like m- maybe you want to have bats in the background or or wind that's whipping through the windows or something like that. It it makes it a lot easier for you to to do something like that.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Becoming DM may have been on a break, but Darkwind is always there for you. No matter the time of day or night, you can point your browser to play.darkwind.org and get to playing. With its thousands of rooms, unique weaponry, and a plethora of character classes to choose from, there's always something new to check out when you log in. Best of all, Darkwind is 100% completely free. That's right. There's no need to buy an expansion source book all new development is included in Darkwind for the same low price of $0. What are you waiting for? Point your browser to play.darkwind.org and start playing today.
0: Um, A couple other things, you know, to consider, you know, pacing, you know, the, the pacing of of your campaign maybe it starts off very slow and very cautious because you really aren't sure what's going on and then all of a sudden these traps are set no now time is of the essence and you've really got to like make your way through these things you know things like that like how you convey your pacing to your um to your players is is one way that you know another element that you can really add to really make this feel like oh my gosh this is (laughs) this is a pretty exciting campaign you know
1: yeah, and when you talk about pacing, I think one of the important things is when you get to that rapid fire part where where things are happening and there's no room for breaks, I think it it helps to make that reflect in what the players can and can't do. If they suddenly say, "Let's take a rest so I can recover some hit points." <laughs> no, you can't do that. There's Hi. there's stuff barreling down on you and yep. and and also keep in mind that when you're, when you're doing pacing like that, um, try to structure your breaks in a way that they don't break the immersion. So, yes. um, if you're just suddenly into this fast paced portion, you should have taken a break before or be ready to take a break when it's all done, uh, because you don't want to break that up because it will just, it will ruin the, uh, the mood and the, and that fast pace. um. Rapid fire uh, thing you're you're aiming for.
0: Yes. Yeah, so before you get on that portion, let everyone know if you've got to use the bathroom. Now's the time to go. You speak now, or you forever hold your pee.
1: <laughs>
0: <sighs> well, the other thing you can do, and one thing that's like my favorite part, anyways, of Halloween in general, is just decor. I mm. love Halloween decorations. And so when it comes to things like this, like, you know, setting a Halloween-themed campaign, it is a great opportunity for y'all to maximize your Halloween decor. I'm just saying. You've got cobwebs hanging down from the corner. That's great. You've got wall panels that have haunted mansion backgrounds. Amazing. You've got a candy bowl that looks like a skull. Awesome. Put it on the table. Just saying. Things that you can have decorated around your house can also add to the game experience itself.
1: And it's a perfect excuse if if your significant other doesn't want to have so many decorations. I'm doing it for the game. For the game,
0: babe. We got to do it for the game. Yes, exactly. Yes. And then for someone like me who goes crazy at Target and Halloween City or whatever, uh, yeah, it's a a slight, ever so slight addiction this time of year. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, my players need me. So I'm doing it for them.
1: Yes, it's all for them. Nothing for you. It's <laughs> all for them. <laughs> I no, I
0: am a selfless DM. Thank you very much. Uh,
1: but to the to the room decor thing, I think that lighting can also really help out. Yeah. Um, don't if you're really trying to set this kind of horror theme or something like that. Don't have a really well lit room. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have actually even played in a game once where where you were in the dark. And in order to roll the dice or to check your character sheet, you had a flashlight and you could only use it when you're doing that one thing. And then the rest of the time you were in the dark because you were in darkness in the in the adventure, which, was so cool. I, yeah, was, was, I will say, an extreme end. And it, it was really cool to, to play in that. Uh, it may be difficult to to execute, but having dimmer lighting to where people can see is still better than just a brightly lit room.
0: Oh yeah. And, and you even, I mean, even if you just want to have it just for setting the mood itself, like those little scary Halloween, like tea lights, the ones that like go off of like the watch batteries and stuff,
1: Mm -hmm. those
0: are fun to like even just put around the table or some people have modified them so that you can actually use them as part of like your setting on like modular tiles and built scenery. Uh, It's just one of those things where it's like, you know, you can use, Lighting like you were saying in a way that actually engages the players directly or you can just use it for mood setting and just to kind of give the overall like the ambiance a little bit of a of a spooky vibe.
1: Yeah. And if you have the ability f- from your DM's chair to make the light lighter and darker, especially mm-hmm. if it's not as noticeable, that can add to it without the players really noticing it to like just slightly gets lighter and and maybe they're feeling a little better and then it gets darker. Um, if you're able to do that, I think that would really add a, a lot of coolness uh, to to the session.
0: You would do something evil like that. Like right when they get to an important part, lights out. <laughs> <laughs> Sucks for you. <laughs> Um. So another interesting thing that you could possibly try out, like I think John and I both agree that like, you know, strategically interwoven NPC voice acting is always a positive for any campaign. However, um, I think having, you know, unique voices during Halloween themed campaigns is even more so um, important just because this is an opportunity for you to really try out uh, different voices, you know, spooky ghost voices. Uh, You know, that that where I was telling you about, maybe he has the ability to talk. What would that sound like? Right. Um, You know, it, it is an opportunity to really try unique NPC voices that maybe you hadn't considered trying before. Or if you've never done it before, then, hey, you know, may as well take advantage of the opportunity and see if this is perhaps a chance for you to try out just something crazy quirky.
1: But the one thing to make sure that you're doing if you do this is you want to practice it beforehand because the last oh, yeah. thing the last thing you want to do is to like be trying out your spooky sounding voice in the session and have it be
0: like this. Hi guys, hey <laughs> y'all, I'm a ghost. What's
1: up? <laughs> because yeah, again, we're talking about making sure that we we maintain that immersion because that is what's going to help the mood most. Is is not breaking the immersion and and if you if you're able to get your um voices down to where they reflect what you want it's just going to help that much more
0: this is like the time when we were talking about the swamp dragon (laughs) 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 oh swamp dragon all right i'll take kind of your top round here it's just like this all right so practice your best swamp dragon voice
1: (laughs) (laughs) i i I was looking for something to say and i'm just speechless at that point (laughs) um i was gonna say the the last thing to really consider when you're talking about um setting that mood is if you're using maps whether they are digital or map tiles or drawn out Mm -hmm. anything like that uh make sure that if you can that they reflect the mood of the of the of the horror module that you're running whether it's uh homebrew or not oh yeah so add in corpses uh use as as felicia was saying earlier use the little tea lights to make torches in in the scenery Mm -hmm. um cobwebs and and your favorite
0: entrails (laughs) (laughs) Nothing better than a pile of entrails to enhance your campaign
1: but whatever makes sense for the scene i think is is the big big thing uh but but definitely try to make it A little darker and again, reflecting that lighting of the room and things like that will will help with the mood setting.
0: For sure. And if you're someone like me, like who likes to actually build out their settings, because I'm I'm a big fan of modular tiles, there's like all sorts of fun and really cheap creative ways to just throw the stuff in there. Um, Hot glue gun is like my best friend and I use it all the time to make cobwebs and entrails that and just a little bit of acrylic paint and bam, you've got yourself one scary Halloween themed tile.
1: Yep. When your husband gets home, what are you doing? (laughs) Oh, you know, just playing with entrails. You
0: know, or the typical same old, same old.
1: (laughs) All right. So let's, um, let's talk about a little bit about logistics of of running a horror game, because I think that we've talked a lot about, um, some of the things that set the mood and the types of games you want, but, but when Mm -hmm. you get into something like this, you really have to, there's some planning you have to do as far as, um, how you're going to run the game and, and rules and stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Stuff like this is important. I think, you know, people sometimes get carried away with the idea of the type of campaign they want to do. And then you're in the moment, you're in the middle of the campaign and they're like, ah, oops, I never thought about how X, Y, and Z works. Um, Hold on, give me a second, guys. Let me think this over for a second. You know, you don't want to be caught in those types of moments.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that the first question to ask is, is the party active or passive? So are they are they actively engaged in whatever's going on? Like if there's a murderer, are they being targeted by the murderer? Or are they observers trying to figure out what's going on and figure out who to blame and stuff like that? Because that completely changes um, how you're running the game and stuff like that. And it, it requires a lot more questions to be answered, which we're going to get to next. And I'll let you kind of take the next one.
0: <laughs> For sure. Um, so, you know, when it comes to... Uh, you know, murder mysteries, like you said, you had covered that, um, in other elements, and this works for murder mysteries, like you were saying, or, um, it can work for the saw, like edge of your seat thrillers that we were talking about. But is what your, your, your players experiencing going to be like your typical combat scenario? Do they have an option to do constitution saving throws or dexterity saving throws? Or is it the second that they get hit by these particular things or people? Is it bam? You done, dead. D-E-D, dead. Um, Because we've all seen the Saw movies, and we know that the chances of any of those people getting out of there is pretty much non-existent. So (laughs) just something to think about, if someone is caught in that cannibal shed you got, uh, and, and, you know, a saw comes down and lobs off their head, are we saying that they can dodge that saw, or are they just done?
1: And and choosing that insta death option can really add to the mood and add to the tension because players know that that a misstep and and they're they're done for. There's yeah. there's no done. no returning.
0: Mm-mm. Nope. And that happened to me in the murder mystery that I did. Um, there was a lot of different rule changings. Like there was no magic or anything like that. So mm-hmm. you know there wasn't an opportunity for us to have those types of of elements in our characters. And then we were going around trying to figure out what was going on. And one by one, each of us were getting taken out. And so it, it definitely was because it was usually like sneaky and we got taken out from behind. I believe I got shot in the back of the head. There really wasn't much dodging any of that. So
1: <laughs>
0: I was I was pretty much dead right away.
1: And then we found out you were the murderer.
0: It was me. I did it to myself. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, you know, you just need to sort of determine... Whether your players have that opportunity, if you have things like booby traps, if you have a stealthy murderer, you know if your if your players have that opportunity to kind of come out of that situation alive, or if it's one that it really is high stakes and they're done, um, and then you just have to kind of consider logistics afterwards. Like if your players are indeed dying off one by one, and you say you have like five players and they're all going out one by one you're eventually going to be only involving one or two people at the very end. So what's the involvement of the rest of the players that are left? Are they going to be entertained by watching or do they just head out? You know, there's, there's questions that come into mind of the actual players yourselves.
1: Yeah. I mean, they could, they could feasibly take over the part of, if there's multiple part of one of the murderers or Mm -hmm. something like that. Um, As long as you, you kind of, After their death, you take a small break and kind of give them the parameters that they're working, working through.
0: For sure. And the other thing to consider, too, is that, you know, things like this, it doesn't necessarily have to be only combat or death. It can be things like possession. You Mm -hmm. know, have they gotten possessed by something? Do they get to come back uh, from that or they possessed and now they have to act like the bad guy? and you know, if you have things like that, then you consider, are they outright, like everyone knows they're possessed? Or are they going to be like a sneaky, stealthy bad guy that no one was anticipating? And you tell them off on the side that like, hey, secretly, you're going to have to do X, Y, and Z because you're possessed.
1: Yeah. And and we talked about normal combat or insta-death. There's also, in addition to to having things not be combat, there's also a middle ground where you still have combat but the the chances of you getting hit and the chances are and the and the amount of damage you take are much higher um again causing creating that that um that scenario where it's a lot more likely that you're going to die so you're a lot more careful or scared or whatever uh but but without having them instantly die
0: yeah so, just small things to think about. Like I said, you know, maybe it doesn't seem all that important now, but I guarantee, once you're in the game, something like that comes up, you're going to want to be able to have an answer for it.
1: Yep. And and once you've kind of determined that portion of it, then you can start diving into some of the special game mechanics. Yeah. And and these mechanics are really going to be determined by what type of game you're playing. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and. And what things need to be a part of that game? So we mentioned earlier about about the uh, the time loop kind of things where you you kept on repeating. Is time linear, and if 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 not, how is it not linear?
0: Mm-hmm. How does that work? Like, you know, <laughs> are you a single point in time just flows right through you, or is it vice versa?
1: Yeah, I, d- d- is there a particular action that causes it to reset, or? Mm-hmm. Are the players operating at one speed where everybody else is operating at another, which is actually kind of a cool little uh Yeah,
0: I was totally thinking mechanic. that's fun.
1: <laughs>
0: oh man, that would be really awesome.
1: <laughs> and and if you do that, how do you track the time so that so that it's it matches up to what you were hoping it to match up for?
0: For sure. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, when we were talking about, let's say you go to another plane, like a demonic plane or something like that, maybe there's like certain rituals that have to be performed in order for your characters to be able to successfully make it out of something or to be able to accomplish a certain objective. Uh, You know, you can sort of test how you want rituals, if at all, um, to be incorporated in your campaigns.
1: Yep. um, uh, Because... If you're gonna if you're gonna have them have to get something get something done to transform back to what they were or or move back to their home plane or whatever it is, you need to make sure that you understand what exactly those pieces are and what things may cause uh, that ritual to fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had a I had been running a, a game for uh, a group where this, they were in this kind of self-replicating town that replicated every couple of days. And if you stayed in the old town, you basically got turned into this black stone and the, the towns were inhabited by these, uh, by shadows. And the, in order to, um, in order to fix it, they had to get these religious leaders from the town to go back to the original town with them, perform a ceremony and it had to be performed. The players didn't know this. They just knew it had to be performed for a certain amount of time, but it had Mm -hmm. to be performed for, I'm going to say five or six rounds. I don't remember now. And during that time, this, this demon kind of appeared in their, in their ritual circle and started to try and attack, um, the, uh, the, uh, religious leaders to stop them from performing the ritual and each time they knocked them out it added a certain amount of time to the amount of time they had to do the ritual. And so the the players had to had to keep the ritual happening and there were all sorts of different parameters of like if you get knocked out then this happens and so it was good to have all that planned out because Mm -hmm. it made it a lot easier to run the run the uh the scenario at that time.
0: For sure. And the good thing that people you know or that you can consider for rituals is they can be used practically in every campaign i mean whether it's something like you were saying in that town or whether it's a haunted mansion whether it's a possession whether you're stuck in a demonic plane rituals pretty much have a place in practically every campaign so it's something that can definitely be added to an element because it's not just about you like escaping it's about how you escape that kind of adds a little more depth to the game that they're playing. Yep.
1: So uh, another kind of mechanic to, to think about when you're, when you're planning it together, especially when you've got something that, that involves a chase is those chase mechanics. Mm. It's easy to look at a character sheet and say, okay, speed 30, speed 20, whatever. This is how somebody's going to get away, but that really doesn't add any sort of thing to a to a horror campaign. Okay, you're faster than this guy. You got away. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so I it, um, I ran a published one shot last Halloween as a as a uh, as a Halloween adventure, and they had a chase in there where they had multiple stages, and each stage of the chase there was um, a skill check of some sort where somebody could choose to do one thing or the other thing. And they they rolled that, so there were still rolling involved. Mm-hmm. And whether and when they succeeded, they got to move on to the next phase. If they failed, they stayed there, and there was a, a troll that was basically coming up behind them who was also doing the checks and was catching up to them um, over the time. So it added a little bit of... Um, little bit of tension as he got closer and closer to some of the guys that fell behind. Um, and then there was also additional mechanics where you could mark a trail to help somebody out and give them a bonus on their role. Hmm. Uh, but, but having something that, that takes a chase and, and makes it into, into, um, decisions and roles and, hmm. and chance, um, can, can really, I think, make that, make that kind of fun to, to, to do. So.
0: Yeah. Well, and, 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 you know, any any type of, you know, specificity, any type of changes, any type of, you know, special circumstances, you know, anytime you're doing any of these, whether it's rituals or chase or time or anything like that, just always be make sure that you communicate um, any, about any of these changes and how it affects their choices, how it affects their ability to accomplish X, Y, and Z. Because, you know, obviously these one shots that we're giving out are things that are, not your normal campaigns, I guess I would say, you know, because we're talking about things that are out of the ordinary, things that are different. So always, always you know, make sure that, you know, you directly, effectively, clearly communicate um, how the player's choices are affected and what their options are.
1: Yeah, because the last thing you want is for somebody to say, I'm going to do this. And then after they do that, be like, oh, yeah, this failed because of this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And, and <laughs> sorry, not sorry. If you'd have told me that, I would have done something totally different. But yeah, okay. <laughs>
0: exactly. And, you know, this this comes down to, um, you know, the things that we're saying. One important thing that I found for a campaign that I am hopefully going to plan on running sometime soon, um, you know, is the one where the players get either shrunken or their form changes and, you know, just think of, of general physics in that case. Like if all your players got changed into lizards, for example, uh, you know, how does, exactly does that affect, you know, their gameplay? Can they can they talk and they communicate with each other telepathically? Like are they able to scuttle as fast as they could walk? Um, do they
1: have little lizard swords?
0: Yeah. Do they have tiny little <laughs> lizard swords? Or, you know, what's, <laughs> what exactly is their armored class now? Um so just kind of like think about those types of physics if you do want to take on the challenge of, of something that involves changing their, all, you know, their, their current form, just how that impacts them. And of course, as I mentioned before, just clearly communicate to each of those players, um, whether they're all the same thing or different, uh, just exactly what their status is and what they can and can't do.
1: And just to be clear, when we say communicate, that doesn't mean that you have to ruin the surprise of them getting into the into the scenario. But once they're in the scenario where that rule is going to affect them, maybe take a break and say, all right, guys, this is how it's going to work and, and explain what those rules in that scenario are and then continue from there.
0: Exactly. Yes. But either way, have fun with your campaign. <laughs>
1: Yep, I I think that was what we wanted to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for joining us on our return, and uh, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. But until then,
0: stay nerdy, nerdy, nerdy friends. So out of practice on that one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey everyone, and thanks for joining us this week. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcast platform it really does help. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Felicia Martinez. The show is edited by John Welsh. If you've got an idea for a future episode, let us know. You can reach us at becomingdm.com, on Facebook at facebook.com becomingdm, and on Twitter, we're at becomingdm. We'll see you in two weeks.